This is the Power of Genetics podcast, the podcast designed to help visionary practitioners build a more successful practice, transform more lives, and lead their patients into the future of personalized health. In each episode, I'll interview successful practitioners and leading thought leaders who will share their insights and expertise to help you prepare your practice for what lies ahead. I'm your host, Dr. Yael Jaffe, and now let's get into today's episode. Good morning, everyone. We have a very special guest at the Power of Genetics today, and I would like to welcome Dr. Param Dedia. Welcome, Param. Thank you. Thank you so much, Yael. So I've had an interesting mm. journey. I haven't known Dr. Param for a very long time. But once I was introduced to him, it's been quite incredible of how he has infiltrated my mind and my thinking. Uh, 3X4 Genetics, all the people that work with me at 3X4 Genetics, we talk about Dr. Faram a lot. And recently, a couple of weeks ago, you did an extraordinary, extraordinary webinar for us on sleep and genetics and how we can integrate them. And I think we're all still kind of reeling and thinking about it so the moment I heard you do that webinar, I was like, I have to have you as a guest on the Five Gen podcast because we really want to hear the story. So I am going to actually hand over to you because I really want everyone to hear who you are. I obviously want to talk about what you're doing now, but I also want to understand, you know, we all start somewhere. We all begin a journey. It might be at five years old when we're like, getting us first school lunch, it might be when something happens in our life. But if you don't mind, Param, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Absolutely. And first and foremost, thank you so much, not only for the shared connection, the time right here and now and everything in between. Just a joy, just truly a privilege. I know those are words, but I mean them beyond the words. And, you know, the conversation that brings me to this conversation, as well as the ones that we shared in terms of that webinar, you know, the conversation is sleep. And I smile here for those of you that hopefully can hear that even through the audio. If you had told me years ago that I'd be working on sleep, I might have just stared at you. I would never have guessed that that's a topic that I needed to be a part of. And just like everything else, it doesn't always work the way that we might have drafted it out back when we started you know, our academic days in university. Even being a physician, it was a journey, it was a discussion, and at times a debate with the family and I, what I really want to be a part of. And one thing I wish to share with everyone out there, and I'm sure that you guys can speak to the story individually, is just be curious, because that's really where it lands us to do what we do. And if we can stay being curious, I'll give you the 10,000 foot view, and we can go into deeper detail. So first and foremost, I'm an internist. I landed in internal medicine. I'm a former academic. I had a great privilege of being in Baltimore at Johns Hopkins. And candidly, I never thought the career needed to go any further than that. It was the pinnacle of what I thought a career could be. And in many ways, it definitely served that. But once you open the door, more is open up. I was always interested in how we eat and how we move. Why? Because as I'm here on audio, but as I said before you, yeah, I used to be 40 to 50 pounds heavier in the world that we live in. So I was like, wait, what does this mean? So a discussion of nutrition and exercise came in. And the only way to speak of it in a meaningful way in academia was through obesity. So I started 
my time after hours because I was passionate about it when I was done doing my hospital rounds and work on the ward. So I'd go to the weight loss program and loved it because I had an opportunity to part with nutrition, with exercise, with psychology. Little did I know that it was just the beginning. Again, I thought it was just filling a need within myself. And as we into that conversation with each individual time after time, it really gave me appreciation to think about food as medicine, to give me an appreciate about movement. And therefore, it wasn't just something theoretical, but it was about myself and the world that I was living in, that of my knee pain, that of my autoimmune disease, which I have Graves' disease. It gave me a chance to be much more curious. Among the most favorite conversations I would have as late at night there is the psychologist and I would kind of riff off of the day and kind of think through. Lo and behold, as I'm speaking at conferences, I was asked to interview at Canyon Ranch, where I had an amazing set of years, 12 years until recently. And it was during that journey that as I got to know Canyon Ranch, they told me about a transition they were making. They were making a transition in terms of some of their leadership. And one of them pulled me aside and said, you know what? I really would want you to lean in and take the baton from me. He goes, you're a former academic. I'm a former academic. What do you think? And I said, let's speak more. I can make it a long story, but I'll make it short. He talked to me about sleep. And by the time we were done in five minutes, it was really clear. I had to work on it. There was no way that I could unsee all the connections that were now in front of me. I'd been dabbling on it. I was spending time at the sleep center at Hopkins. was very interested always in the reports that were there. I thought it was fascinating. And I was basically not looking to take on another fellowship, but he basically encouraged me to do it. And I had no idea exactly what I was signing up for. But it was one thing to start doing that academic knowledge but then doing it in a world of, call it functional medicine, of integrative medicine, of lifestyle medicine. And as I'm sitting there reading this, I'm realizing there's so much data there, but we stick to obviously, you know, what makes it in terms of the billing codes for the insurance papers. And we focus on those things that are remunerated. So big step back. If I wanted to honor people's health, I needed to really take a step back and appreciate, yes, I love being an internist, the way to eat and the way to move. But let me start with this. Yeah, how many of us know what to do, but don't do it? I beat myself up for that, you know, and then can go on from there. One of the things is, as I've learned about sleep, as you honor sleep, sleep honors you. It's an anti-inflammatory. It's an antioxidant. It is about heart health. Anything that's good for the heart, it's good for the brain. What we do know is the sleepy brain's the craving brain. And therefore, one of the great opportunities is lean in toward nutrition. Every single night will repair. You had a good workout. You want to get the full benefits. You got to get that sleep. Professional athletes are paid to recover. Sleep is about rebalancing our hormones. It's about that ability to repair. And the thing that I will share, and I want everybody here to start speaking of this, your daytime sets up your night and your night sets up your next day. And once you see that, you can't unsee it, Yael. And therefore, it was the shift that I made is because I wanted everyone to see that indeed, that there is all this that is right in front of us. So what we can do is be curious. We can start with ourselves, honor the daytime, make it the nighttime and vice versa. Is that a way to start the conversation, Yael? That is a good way. I'm actually a little bit, I'm going to be curious and I'm going to take a step back. Why medicine? What Uh did you in the first place? Let's, Let's go even further back. 
is how did you even get to being medicine? What, what was the dream there? You know, it's interesting. My parents, you know, immigrated to the United States of Asian Indian descent. And obviously within our community is the joke. You, you only have a few careers you can pick from, right? And when I said I was thinking about being a school teacher, there was a collective lack of oxygen that occurred in the room because of the gas that was occurring. Later on, I had a mentor that taught me the word doctor is based in that of Greek and Latin docere to teach. And in one of our passionate conversations, my father says, you know, why don't you see being a doctor as an opportunity to teach people if you love teaching so much? And he was right. We didn't realize the wisdom that he was sharing with me at that moment. But still, that was the seed. And the, that which opened this beyond words is when I was doing research at NIH, National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, an amazing opportunity. I was there to be a normal volunteer. In other words, you get to live in the clinical center, be around patients, but you were a normal volunteer. And I happened to be in the vitamin E protocol for cardiovascular health. So you go there, they draw your blood, they tell you, you know, if you pass the criteria. And I didn't pass the criteria. I was already there on site. They noted this thing called a thyroid. And I'm pre-med. Thyroid. What's a thyroid? I went from being a normal volunteer to being a real patient. And every two weeks, I had a new intern assigned to me. And every two weeks, I became curious of how the medicine was being delivered to me. And I was doing research. And the mentor was amazing, uh, a beautiful soul, native of Greece. And we would speak late hours about what it meant to be in the field of medicine. He and I worked late hours. I would usually get back to the clinical center. They would usually save my dinner, my little veggie burger. And the nurses and I would sit there at the nurse's station and talk about the day. And also, they would talk to me about the interns, and they talked to me about what they saw. Long and short, what I was learning is, yes, there's science, but it was the art of medicine. It's about honoring that person, honoring that individual. When people say, oh my gosh, you have autoimmune disease, we feel bad for you. And I'm like, don't. It's my, my greatest teacher. It gave me the greatest pause that I don't think I would have ever given myself. It's given me a chance to be curious beyond the words. I'm lucky enough to have one that can be managed and managed well. But I also know that it asks me to be attentive to my health. All of us can benefit from being attentive to our health. But with me, absolutely, when I'm not honoring it, my thyroid, my endocrine, my hormonal balance, all of that goes sideways. So medicine was a journey. It was one that led me to be curious. But it was interesting. After all this got unfolded, I had this amazing, amazing intern. I wish I knew his name. I wish I still had his address. And he sat me down and said, you know how lucky you are? And I was so confused. And I said, what do you mean lucky? I've been diagnosed. He says, look, young man. He goes, there's a saying out of Asia. No sickness, short life, small sickness, long life. He goes, you're awake now. Your eyes are wide open. You are destined now to go live your best life. Now, do we all have to have a disease? <laughs> all have a uh -huh. diagnosis, right? Yeah, I wish never to say that to another. But that's the reason why when you unfold things, when you unveil them, kind of like what you do for a living, you help people understand who they are underneath all of this. How empowering is that? To me, back then, you know, almost 30 years ago, that was the way that I was empowered. Thankfully, we don't have to empower everybody by giving them a label or a diagnosis moving forward. So again, I'm very lucky to be in medicine. It became a calling, not by design, but just really by the special life that I get to live. You've got to make your family very proud. Very, very proud. Can you say that again? No sickness, short life, sickness, yeah, love, no. 
long life. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I try to look it up on, you know, whether whatever internet search and see who's that attributed to. So if anybody out there knows who it's attributed to, please send us a note. In 2000, so it's quite some time ago, I developed these bumps on my hands and my feet. I was living in Israel at the time and it was like 40 degrees Celsius every day. And I thought it was just a heat rash. But anyway, I, yeah. I would get these bumps and then they would get really itchy and then they would burst open and then my hands would peel. And I went to, of course, traditional dermatologists who gave me cortisone cream to take it away. And anyway, and for many years, I went to like dermatologists after dermatologists saying, like, what is this thing? Like, why am I getting it? Um, this is long before my career, right? This is long before my, I was a dietitian, but it was long before I had awakened to functional, functional medicine. I was only trained as a kind of traditional dietitian. And I would get these bumps on my hand and feet and just no one. And of course, I was only seeing dermatologists, right? And no one was giving me answers. They were just giving me creams, topical creams to, to steroid things. Mm, yes. Uh, anyway, so the interesting thing is that it took me a long time to think about what, once I discovered functional medicine and functional nutrition, to try to kind of figure out what was happening here. And st- I started plotting the trend of when it would happen. And of course, when would it happen? It would happen when I wasn't sleeping well. It would happen when I was stressing, working too hard, or eating very poorly. And I could almost predict it. Nice. So I got to the point where I could almost tell you exactly when the bumps were going to come out. So anyway, the reason I tell the story is because what I call my bumps now is my health barometer. And instead of seeing them as my enemy, as something I needed to kind of destroy and remove from my body, I now have, I always talk about befriending my, my bumps on my hands. Because wow. the moment they appear, I do a full, full stock take. How am I sleeping? How am I eating? Am I overworking? Am I doing self-care? And so over the years, and it's been a long time, we're talking, we're talking, you know, 20 plus years, I've gone from seeing it as this thing that I wanted to destroy and remove and cure to now, I mean, it almost makes me smile when they come out because I'm like, yep, I knew you were coming. I know I haven't been paying attention to myself. I know I haven't been sleeping well. I know I haven't been eating enough of the right foods. Like, okay, I welcome you. And it's been amazing. It's been like, they'll never go away. They're always there. The trick is obviously like when they come back and and I actually welcome it because I override my health intuition with the personality type I have, you know, work too hard, train too hard, like live too hard kind of thing. And yet I have this beautiful internal systemic reminder that kind of wakes me up every night, every time I need it. Wow. I'm just in awe imagining other people listening as well. And I could share with you just briefly, you know, I had a knee injury during my early academic days, meaning when I finished up my training and moved on to being, you know, junior faculty, when I had surgery ultimately and it only got worse. And until I found integrative approaches, I thought I was going to be, you know, literally at a desk job, uh, you know, working for the Center for Medicare because I was a gerontologist at that time. And my passion was not to be behind a desk. From there, you know, I should say around the same time, I lost my dear brother, a fellow physician. Oof. Yeah. As I say it, I get chills because um, even though it's 20 years ago, he's still my teacher. That's my big brother, my hero. And even with his passing, I'm still learning uh, of everything. Uh, he had an unknown illness that 
we had um, three major teams do the autopsy. You could never figure out. And the biggest thing I could share is you know, his stress was at the highest level. And I often think about stress in my own autoimmune disease. And that wise physician years ago told me I was one of the most stressed out guys he had ever met and uh, wow. told me that that was his um, working hypothesis of why I had autoimmune disease. And that was 30 years ago. Nobody that I knew 30 years ago was talking like that. And, you know, I have a, a father whose health has shifted. And, you know, he's one of my heroes in this world. And with every one of these challenges, right, there is that a gift. I would never tell somebody, hey, isn't this a gift? It would be too harsh, too much. Yet at the same time, there is within what you're saying, and it resonates so deeply within all of us. And, you know, as, you know, I love to teach things. I always want people to honor themselves first. So, you know, if we're here to talk about any topic like sleep, everyone listening, I want you to get the very best sleep and explore what that means for you here and now. How does your daytime set up your nighttime and vice versa? Uh, I just wish we all could have more times like that, which you hold for all of us. Yael. How can we stay curious? How can we honor the journey that's within? All right. Beautiful story. That I love it. I mean... I could just talk on this subject for so long. And I'm thinking of so many people that I've encountered in my life. Someone very special yesterday that I was talking to is a colleague and a friend who I must get on the show. I actually just made a note because she has a, and actually brings us back to genetics. Anyway, she has a, a, a genetic variation that is high impact, high penetrance in the P53 gene. So it, it means that, as, as she said very clearly to me, it's not about will I get cancer. It's when I'll get cancer and how many of I'll get and will I catch it in time. And she's young. She's younger than me. And I had this extraordinary conversation with her. And when I called her, I was expecting the heaviness of the conversation. She's just been through like 12 months of IV chemo. And she is one of the lightest, most inspirational, positive and joyful people I've met who took her journey and really into like the worst possible darkness that you would wish on no enemy of yours. And she was the lighter one in the conversation, you know, and so I'm going to to make a note to have a talk to the show because I think we've hit on something here. You know, we we never intentionally hit in this direction, but this journey, and, and the other one is Dr. Patrick Hannaway, who I did an amazing podcast with Patrick, his story of his cancer, when he was fully recovered, he did a presentation, I think it was a PLMI, on his journey through his, his cancer, his throat cancer, or esophageal cancer, I think it was, and how he got through it and everything. And I was like in tears. I was in absolute tears, you know. And I think sometimes the inspiration for us to continue doing the work we do comes from these stories, more from textbooks or content webinars or more knowledge because it kind of reminds us of what being a healer is both as an individual for ourselves but also obviously as practitioners working with these these individuals wow i'm just in awe inspired you know patrick's such an amazing friend and teacher to so many of us and he's done so much for the world and to honor him and the journey that allows us to not only celebrate him but pause and look at ourselves and you know the work that i'm doing now you know, it's interesting. You know, my background is internal medicine. My first fellowship was in gerontology. And that was shortly after my brother's passing. I needed to be around the most, how should I say, inspired physicians I'd ever met. And uh, the grace by which they came in every day, and they were always celebrated as the top teachers and that of the, the people that inspired us. 
So the work I do now, I call it a longevity program. You know, it's personalized health for longevity. But it's not what I thought it would be. Meaning, if I would have thought about this 30 years ago, I thought longevity would be like, you know, how many years can we add onto lifespan? And there's no question, there is a lifespan component to longevity. But what I think, not I think, I wish just be careful with my words, what I know is that it's not only about lifespan, it's about what many of us now are calling that health span. And that's the opportunity. You know, in medicine, I was told, I remember long ago, if it doesn't fit in a test tube, it doesn't exist. Oh my, oh right? dear. Yep, that's where right. we all came from. And therefore, the way we eat, the way we move, is it just nutrients? Is it just ATP and, you know, myosin and actin movement, right? I mean, those are components of it. But that's the reason why physical, but also the mental, the emotional, and I dare say spiritual, the human need for connection to others and ourselves. So when I have people sit with me and I ask them, are they willing to be on this journey? It's really special because where else do we get a chance to sit with people? And that's the part where when we honor you know, things such as their, not just genetics, but their genomics and how is the dance, how is that interplay, how is the epigenetics, it really offers us an appreciation of how things are connected, how we are connected. And in the world we live in, where do we get a chance to speak about that? We all benefit from it. I've sat with people in inner city Baltimore all the way to you know Fortune 50 companies. We're all human. And we all need this conversation and we need the permission at times as we go through these shifts, not only globally, but internally, personally, individually. So let's talk about, so you no longer with Canyon Ranch. You left Canyon Ranch a few years ago, right? Is it a yeah, year? Just a little more than a year, yes. Oh, okay, so it's quite new. And we have, uh, we were introduced to you from, by Lisa Powell, who is, again, yes. a wonderful yes. colleague and friend who I've known for many years. And we are obviously delighted to be working with you at 3 Export Genetics and using our genetic tests and things. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about the work you're doing now, the dream, the vision that you are building now that we're obviously delighted to be to be a part of. Absolutely. So in terms of taking a look at, you know, the evolution, right? First and foremost, I'm biased. I came out of academia. I love the opportunity to look at it as such, yet it is one approach. Most of our medicine is, are you sick? Are you not sick? Most of my conversations back in the hospital are signs and symptoms to make a diagnosis. If we have a diagnosis, voila, here's the treatments or the next protocol. Right person, place, and time, we need that. I celebrate it. I embrace it. But one of the classic things that I would be a part of back East was somebody coming in with chest pain. What happened 97% of the time, we tell that person at the bedside after 12, 24 hours, good news, you didn't have a heart attack. Sign here, you're good, you can go home now. So the lack of a sickness means you're healthy and you're well. I wish for us to be really curious to understand what does it mean to be healthy? What does it mean to be well? And to honor, as Herclitus, the famous Greek philosopher said, no man, woman, step in the same river twice. For we're not the same, and the world around us is changing. It's one of those things when people and have the opportunity to pause with this conversation, and I have the opportunity to sit with them, is that I'll ask them, I'll say, tell me about your North Star. And we pause, and I say, well, we'll get you up in the morning. What is it that allows me to sit in front of you? I mean, sick or not sick, we can get fabulous physicians around and great systems to honor that. But what does it mean to be healthy physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? Are you living the life you want? One of my favorite questions to ask, and I usually set that up in the beginning, and then I write it at the very top in bold letters. And then as I have colleagues partner with them, as we're all writing at the top, what is the North Star? So when the nutritionist, when the exercise physiologist, when the psychologist, when our nurse coordinator who has a coaching background, 
When any of us look at this individual, we're honoring them, their North Star, the journey that they want. Otherwise, it can really be simply as, what was that LDL? What was that inflammation marker? And of course, we love those conversations, but it's content and context. We need to really understand the context of all things. I don't use that word in front of people, but that's where my mind goes, is to understand. So William Mosler, the great doctor at Johns Hopkins about 100 years ago, I'm paraphrasing, so I don't quote things as well as I would like, basically said it's more important to know the type of person that has the disease than the type of the disease that the person has. And really understanding who we are, because look, we have great colleagues, we have great science, there's so many tools, but what does it mean to be healthy? And I believe that that's the conversation. I have some people that work with me just on a one-time visit, they'll come by once a year. Some of them will do that and come back twice a year. I love doing a deep dive in some really provocative labs, looking at things from heart health, looking at things from inflammation, glycemic control, and going beyond the standard lipid panel, beyond the standard CRP, beyond blood sugar and A1C. Where else? We have so much great opportunities to help people understand. And if they're ready and if they're willing, and then let's take the bigger step, which all of them are, is how we eat and how we move. And then I pause there with them. And I say, you know what? I've just given you a lot of information. I didn't think you came in here bored looking for more things to do in your life. We want to help you put this into your life. So we start with these huge assessments and then we prioritize. What is their North Star? What are their goals? What are our key findings? And which ones have risen to the top? I mean, the work you do helps us so much of saying what are the priorities, right? And that's so critical. And then from there, we spend each quarter working with them. We're using tracking devices here, such as smartwatches. We are also using any others, like, you know, the rings that are now available. We have great opportunities to do this. So we go from awareness, from, I should say, comprehensive assessments to create awareness. We call that insight. We help people create their priorities, call that setting the intention. Then we want to integrate. We want to help people put in their daily lives. So we are enjoying this because each quarter they come back and work with us and do this deep dive. Obviously, it's high touch, high care. It's a different way to do medicine, but it's one in which we're committed to taking a look at. Beyond that, some people are going to be able to say, ah, you have a team member there that can help me with my digestive health. Ah, I need to get back through my injury. I need to work through you know, a training program. I need to be able to understand what is the right way for me to understand myself through this thing called exercise. Sleep, of course, as you know, is a topic I'd love to speak of. And the one that I love to take people toward is my own journey of mindfulness. I don't use that word with people. It's almost become overused. I'm like people. (laughs) Whatever we can do to help people have that journey of stress becoming distress. My mindfulness teacher has taught me this. One of my dearest friends. Stress is in the world. Distress is within us. I put out a whole genetic sheet. You'll smile and you'll work right through it. I will take some pauses. I'll take some deep breaths. And I know because of you and the team that I get to work with is that I know I'll get there. But initially, it was much more stressful for me because I didn't know how to learn this language. And people such as you and your team have helped me translate this. Same information. Distress is not so distressing to you, but initially so distressing to me. And I really wish for us to appreciate Carl Jung's work there. Thoughts fuel our feelings and our feelings influence how we act to others and ourselves. The greatest thing we can do is look at our thoughts and really start there. So when people work with me and say, what do I need to be healthy? And I lay it all out for them. Put in the middle. I'm an internist. I love to talk about the way to eat and the way to move. I put them on the right and left side of the paper. The bottom, I talk about sleep as being an anchor. 
But at the very top, I put joy. And I say, we must honor stress becoming distress, your sensuality, spirit, the human need for connection, what gives us meaning, what gives us purpose. And if people say, where do I start? I said, if you're not sleeping, we start there. And or we look at your thoughts. We help you stay in the present moment. Because until I help people be anchored there, I'm just giving them more information, which can be very impressive, can be inspiring, but it doesn't last very long. It can become, therefore, something that has a shelf life of hours or a week. But we want to help people translate that. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Param, always just so lovely speaking to you. All right, we could carry on all day. We're not going to, though. So I'll tell you what we're going to do now. I don't think we can do better than that anyway, is I want to finish it off just with a thought from you on where you think the value of genetics sits and where you think it's going to take us. The podcast is called Power Genetics. Yes. So just your thoughts. What do you think the power of genetics is? You know, we look at data sets. We look at these amazing journals and that opportunity to really personalize health, right? It's that which in which, again, so many ways to help people. And even in the world of sleep, we have this conversation of this many hours, you know, this many stages of deep sleep, REM sleep and whatnot. But it's so impressive, so amazing that I can't wait, Yaelena, set of months and years, we're going to like, remember in the Stone Age when we used to look at it only as one size fits all? That power of genetics is that power of the individual and that power of what we can do one person at a time and help people understand who they are. And to me, once we do that, health goes beyond words. It becomes a truly a life to be lived. What a beautiful note to finish on. I don't think we should say another word. Dr. Param Dedia, thank you so much for your time today. As always, it has been wonderful speaking with you. I look forward to many, many more times. And I'm just so happy that everyone else gets to meet you now and hear you speak and hear your thoughts. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Much joy. More to come. Thank you for listening to the Power of Genetics podcast brought to you by 3x4 Genetics. For more episodes, please visit 3x4genetics.com slash podcast. And if you are a licensed health practitioner who would like to apply to join our network of over 1,000 like-minded visionary practitioners, please visit 3x4genetics.com slash apply.